0: This is Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love, a podcast ministry brought to you by Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world committed to the truth of scripture and life application through the lens of
1: grace. Hello and welcome to Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love. I'm Carmen Pate, your host for today's podcast. If God is sovereign Can we resist the will of God? Well, how do His desires for us differ from His plans for us? Dr. Ken Wilson, professor of systematic theology and church history at Grace School of Theology is back with us to help us understand the meaning of God's will in light of our daily walk with Christ. Dr. Wilson is a board-certified orthopedic surgeon with a private practice in Oregon and he is also a theologian. Dr. Wilson received his doctorate in theology from the University of Oxford. Welcome back to Saving Grace, Dr. Wilson.
0: Thank you, Dr. Kerman. Nice to be with you. (laughs)
1: Well, it's great to have you back. You know, we began our discussion last week on God's sovereignty, and it's part of a uh, two-part series that is is included in the new course called The Grace of God. Tell our listeners about this new course, why it would benefit them to uh, participate.
0: Ms. Carmen, that's a one-hour course, easily uh, done by any student um, or anyone who wants to take it, just talking about the grace of God in His sovereignty and salvation and in rewards. And it's easy to follow uh, great instruction uh, by uh, Dr. Anderson, Dr. Wall,
1: and by me. And I think they'll really enjoy it. And though we are talking about these issues in the podcast, obviously uh, we don't have time to get into all the meat that is covered in these courses. So uh, I can see for those in our audience who really have that student's heart, uh, they're going to really benefit from, from participating in this class. So, so glad that you're a part of it and glad that you're sharing snippets of us with our audience as we uh, sort of delve into the topic of sovereignty. Well, now last week on our discussion of God's sovereignty, you truly really gave a beautiful picture of our Father God uh, as it's revealed in Scripture. And some of the, the things, just sort of a recap, if you will, we learned that God knows all things, that He ordains a few things, mostly in regard to Jesus Christ, that His foreknowledge is not causal, He is not dictatorial, which is um, certainly comforting to know that He's not And the most beautiful thing to me was that God limits his power because he desires relationship with us. And therefore, reacts relationally. Uh, Would you say that was a good summary of of what we discussed in our last podcast? Yes, Carmen. Well done. All right. Good, good. I get an A plus for that class, right? Uh, Well, as we move on, let me encourage those of you who did not have opportunity to tune in last week to go back and listen to uh, last week's podcast on the issue of sovereignty. You will be blessed. But today, I'd like for us to go a little bit deeper and talk about God's will Now, you know, we hear people all the time say, well, if it's God's will, it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. If I understood you correctly, you would say, well, not necessarily so.
0: Yeah, that's correct.
1: (laughs) Why not? Well, because in
0: English, the word will has translated two different Greek words that mean entirely different things. Mm. Um, It would be saying, like, I love you or I like you as a friend. Uh Uh, It's a big difference. And it's the same with the two Greek words for will. Uh, the same thing was done in Latin and in German with Martin Luther. They confuse the terms. So if I say God wills, I need to know whether it's the word Thelema or bule. Okay. I uh, don't want to get too technical right. here, but basically Thelema means a desire. Like I desire some ice cream right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if It is a plan. I have planned to eat ice cream because I have bought it. It's sitting in the freezer, and as soon as we finish, I'm going to eat it. Yes, that's that's planned. It's done. Uh So there's a big difference between God's desire and His plan. So a desire is thalema, and a plan is boule. So it makes a big difference if the scripture says thalema or boule. So I would encourage the uh, listeners to get an interlinear Bible, and Uh you can easily tell which word it is in an interlinear Bible and know if it's God's plan or if it's His desire.
1: So, that would be great to go along as you're studying the Word to make sure that you're understanding the correct interpretation. Right.
0: Don't even have to know Greek. You can just look at and the interlinear. you can tell. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, so help us to understand the difference in God's desires and God's plans in light of God's sovereignty. Well,
0: sure. There were some people that would say God's plans can be thwarted, um, open theism, some aspects like that with which we do not agree. Uh, his plans cannot be thwarted. If God in the Old Testament and the prophets said this will happen, it will happen. Mm. There, there is no question it will happen. Uh, if God ordained Jesus to be slain as the lamb before the foundation of the world, it will happen. Uh, if God planned for Judas to betray Jesus, it will happen. So there are things that were in the plan. Um, that is very important. Uh, but not everything is planned. That's the key. If God plans everything, then he must be responsible for evil. Mm. We can't have that. His desires are different. His desires are such like he desires our sanctification, but we're not all sanctified to the same level. Right. Uh, people are different. And the same thing with he desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, First Thessalonians 4, three, Not all people are saved. So it makes a difference, again, whether it's his plan or his desire. God does not get all his desires. He does get his plans.
1: All right. Well, can you give us some examples from the Bible where we see God's des- where God's desires are thwarted? Sure. Um,
0: one of the most interesting is in Matthew 23, where Jesus is standing there at Jerusalem, said, I, I long to just cover you like a, a hen would cover little chicks mm-hmm. and to protect you and to to embrace you and he says but you weren't willing so jesus desire was to love jerusalem love israel his people and to bring him to himself but they would not have it mm. so jesus desire was the was thwarted at that uh, time in um, peter uh, peter says in second peter 3 7 uh, he's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance we know that people do perish yes. and that they don't come to repentance. Yes. And so God does not get that desire. That desire is thwarted. Um, same thing with 1 Thessalonians, Thessalonians 4.3 that I just mentioned. Not all Christians are sanctified very much. Mm, um, so there are different levels. And so even though God desires that of us, not all of us are sanctified to the level that he would like. Which makes a big difference if you believe that uh, sanctification is required to get to heaven that makes a big difference in your theology.
1: Well, um, it definitely does, <laughs> and we know that there are a lot of people that do believe that. Yes, and they don't have assurance of their salvation because of that. Exactly. Yes. Well, you know, as you think of, uh, as you talk about God not getting to His desires, mm-hmm. uh, maybe it's the mercy shower in me, and I, I think, oh, I feel, you know, I feel sorry. I feel, I feel sad for Him. Uh, you know, we we talk as Christians about quenching the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. or grieving the Holy Spirit. Uh, I would I would I would guess that it's when those desires of God are not accomplished that we are grieving and quenching right. Him.
0: Right, and, and in a relational aspect with God, if we're having fellowship with Him as His children. If we do something that's sinful, I mean that hurts him. I mean, he's sad with that. It grieves the Holy Spirit. If we're not sanctified, if we're not becoming more like Christ, it disappoints God just like it would us as a parent, if our child was rebelling against us. Mm. It's the same same thing.
1: And I think the question would be, would we want him any other way? <laughs> would we want him any other way because if if he didn't have those emotions, those feelings, those uh, to to have his feelings hurt. Uh, He wouldn't be that personal God that we love so much.
0: Exactly. And there's uh, some aspects of Christianity that will say God does not have emotions like that which comes from Greek philosophy and not Scripture. I think it's plain, even if it's an anthropomorphism, that God that Scripture is trying to tell us God is like that in some way. Yes. He does have those kind of emotions for us and can be overjoyed when someone comes to faith in Christ, you know, mm-hmm. that one sinner yes. repents. Yes. Or very sad, we can grieve him if we're sinful and not following him.
1: Mm, that is the God that I love. And I, I would hate to think that uh, I was part of that belief system that he does not have that, that personal relationship yeah, yeah. with me. That's a beautiful, beautiful picture. Well, last week uh, we touched on the fact that God ordains a few things, mm-hmm. and mostly in regards to his plans for Jesus Christ. And we see that, of course, throughout Scripture, right. that his plans for him were fulfilled and mm-hmm. are being fulfilled. Mm-hmm. But what are some examples of God's plans that can't be thwarted apart Mm -hmm. from Jesus Christ? Well,
0: sure. The Apostle Paul was appointed that way Um, Mm -hmm. as an apostle uh, before he was born. God had already chosen him to do that. And so that was a plan that was not going to be thwarted. Um, The question is whether God just dictatorially did it or if he did it through foreknowledge. And that's the way that we see it. He did it through foreknowledge, which is not causal, but inviting. Um, same thing that I mentioned in the Old Testament, Jeremiah. I mean, he, before he was born, God knew him. Jeremiah was going to be a prophet. That was in God's plan. Uh, same thing with all the prophets. He had appointed them uh, to be a prophet um, even before they even were born. So many things in God's plans uh, will never be thwarted. If he plans it, it will not be thwarted. But if he desires it, it can be thwarted.
1: All right. Well, our guest today is Dr. Ken Wilson, Professor of Systematic Theology and Church History at Grace School of Theology. We're discussing God's sovereignty over two weeks of programming as part of a series highlighting the school's new Grace of God course. But let's get back to our discussion, if we could, with Dr. Wilson. You know, there obviously then is some confusion about God's will. Where did that confusion begin?
0: Well, Carmen, as I mentioned, it came from the language, because once we left Greek uh, with the two different words for will and went to Latin, which has numerous different words for will, it was confused and the, the plan was left out and the desire was left out and just one word came. Same thing with German with Martin Luther. Mm-hmm. You have different words. So that's where it originated was when we left Greek and went into other languages.
1: Yes. And so as the Bible has been translated over and over again throughout the years, those uh, misunderstandings about the, the interpretation have, have just stayed there. Yes. And so we have theologians. We have pastors today in the pulpit, Dr. Wilson, who have a misunderstanding. They do. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Mm. Well, you know, one passage that really leads us to believe that God's will can cannot be thwarted is Romans nine eighteen through 20. And it reads, and this is the, the New King James Version. Mm-hmm. It reads, "...therefore he has mercy on whom he wills, mm-hmm. and whom he wills he hardens. Mm-hmm. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who has resisted his will?" But indeed, O oh man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed to him say who formed it? Why have you made me like this? So if we were to look at the correct translation in the Greek, how would the meaning of this passage be understood?
0: Sure. Um, the, he has mercy on whom he desires. It's the Lema. And whom he desires, the Lema, he hardens. And then he asks, who has resisted his plan? His boule. Okay, so
1: there is a plan in That's that. That's right, uh-huh. and
0: so the plan cannot be resisted. Uh, his desires can be resisted. Uh, the other thing most people mention uh, miss on this passage is it's not talking about heaven or hell. It's talking mm-hmm. about temporal things, and it's not. The emphasis is not on individuals but on nations. Uh, just like when he talks about Jacob and Esau, yes. it's clearly referring to Genesis and the Malachi, where nations is emphasized, uh, and uh, not individuals.
1: So it's so important always that we look at the context, uh, uh, the historical context, and, and then who God was speaking to and right. uh, the circumstances, because just in those two instances, whether or not he's talking to individuals or nations, mm-hmm. whether or not he's talking about heaven and hell or temporal judgment or wrath, right. uh, makes, uh, it makes all the difference yeah. in how we read the Bible, but more importantly, how we apply it to our lives.
0: Right. The other aspect on that is when he hardens, uh, Origen figured this out in 200 AD. Was it directly or indirectly hardening? Well, Origen said that when he hardened Pharaoh, he did it indirectly through the uh, punishments, the plagues that were happening. Mm. Uh, He didn't go in and mystically harden Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh's response was his own. But God hardened it. That's why half the time it says Pharaoh hardened his heart, and half the time God hardened his heart. Uh, Pharaoh did it directly, God did it indirectly through the plagues.
1: Oh, interesting. Well, another passage that we might look at is Luke twenty-two, forty-two. It says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. And, of course, right. we know that's Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane.
0: Right. And uh, that's if you are desiring, you know, not planning. Jesus knew the plan. That wasn't a big secret. He knew he had to die and then be resurrected. Uh, so it wasn't about God's plan at that point. It was about his desires as a human. Uh, and even as God having an eternal fellowship with God, this in intimacy with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all three for all eternity, and then to have this ripped apart Mm-hmm. And, and taking the sin of the world upon himself was overwhelming. I, we can't even imagine no, it. No. And so, as he says, not, you know, if you're desiring, if it can be your desire, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my desire, but yours. And I think in the context, it means your plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the words, words aren't there. He doesn't have the lame or bully there.
1: Right.
0: But it seems clear that he's saying not what I desire. But I'm going to follow your plan, even mm-hmm. though it's so difficult.
1: Wow! And that that makes perfect sense because certainly we know that he was obedient even to death, and right. and uh, he he set those desires aside, didn't he? Yes. To fulfill the plan. Well, you know, so many of us have heard pastors speak about God's permissive will and God's perfect will, but now you say there's no such evidence in Scripture of such. So why are these ideas taught?
0: Yeah, you're right, Carmen. There is zero evidence for a mm. permissive will and a perfect will. It's a theological construct that has been designed to try to figure out and make up this problem uh, that God plans evil. Yeah. And so if you had to divide it up, the permissive will would really be his desires. His desires is that all men be saved, that good prevail, and those sort of things. But there is no permissive will if you would make it a plan. A permissive plan and a perfect plan that doesn't work. It's got to be desires and plans. His perfect will, if you want, is his plan. Um, so there's there's really no such thing as a perfect will and a permissive will. Again, it's a uh, construct that's just made up to try to explain how can God not be the author of evil?
1: Okay, because they they come to that conclusion in their misunderstanding of scripture, so they almost have to cover for it in right. a way. Right.
0: Exactly. If you understood the two, the lame and the boule, you wouldn't have to do permissive will and perfect will.
1: Yes, so we need to get them back to the original <laughs> back to language, the Greek, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, well, when it comes to our individual lives, uh, does God have both plans for us and desires as we live here on earth?
0: Um, that's a very good question. Certainly, He has desires. We know that desire from First Thessalonians four three, and that is our sanctification. Um, The goal in Romans 8 is to be conformed to the image of Christ. That is God's desire for every one of his children. So we know his desires for us. There is no question. Uh, The real issue is whether God has a plan for us. And as I mentioned, plans are rare in Scripture. God actually saying this must happen. Uh, It's rare, especially in the New Testament. So I would say, God, it's unlikely that God has a plan that today I'm going to sit down at this table with you and we'll have this conversation. Um, That's unlikely. Uh, He plans very few things. He leaves much open. So I would say he does not have a plan for everything I do or you do or any of our listeners. But He does have desires, and He wants us to fulfill His desires.
1: Yes. Well, because I think about how the Lord equips us with Mm -hmm. gifts and talents, experiences, education, opportunities, all of those things, which obviously we have to respond to. We have to be good stewards of those things He gives us. Right. Uh, So I've often, I think I've even taught, well, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. You need to discover it so that you can fulfill it. Right. Uh, so I guess in my saying he has a purpose and plan, what I'm really saying is he has a desire for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's given you the gifts and talents to fulfill it. Mm-hmm. But whether or not you choose to follow that path is, is, is your free will. Uh, and you might grieve or quench the Holy Spirit in the process, right?
0: That's right. There was an old track many years ago, decades ago, we would use for evangelism, says God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Well, um, not quite. He, he has a wonderful desires for your life yes. uh, to make you like Christ and in sanctification and intimacy with him. but, as you mentioned, you can quench the Holy Spirit. You can do things that don 't allow those desires to be fulfilled.
1: Yes, you know we look back through the bible um, I, I just completed a series of studies uh, on women of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And it does appear that God, in in the particular time of their life, where He placed them, mm-hmm. uh, that there was a purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, look at, at Esther; mm-hmm. uh, she was there for such a time as this, right. correct, in saving Absolutely. her people. That's right. uh, but I, I I think that um, God, because of His desire for us to be sanctified. Wants, to have us, wants us to have an abundant life, which would include fulfilling using those gifts and talents he gives us. Is that the way you would explain that?
0: Sure. And, and as well as the fact that, you know, if you take Esther, I mean, God certainly foreknew what kind of woman she was, that she was yes. a virtuous woman who feared God and would do whatever it took to save her people. And so he could put her there uh, in the opportunity. She didn't have to do it. But he gave her the opportunity to be an outstanding example of virtue, Mm -hmm. uh, and she did.
1: What a gracious God. Yes. Yes. Well, you know, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, Mm -hmm. which God prepared beforehand Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that we should walk in them. Uh, I've heard that explained many, many times. He Mm -hmm. already has determined the works that you will do Mm -hmm. they were they were prepared beforehand Mm -hmm. Uh, what would you say about that verse
0: yes that's often read uh with this uh translation uh, which god prepared beforehand that we must do we will inevitably do and it's in the object we should do (laughs) we have the option whether or not to do those good works Uh, And the prepared beforehand is very much like uh, Acts 13, where it says that God uh, prepared Lydia Mm. uh, for eternal life. The way he did that was not, again, mystically coming into her heart and doing something with the Holy Spirit. If you read the context, it's through hearing the word of God. Mm. And so I have the same thing here. He prepared those. He didn't appoint us to them, but he's prepared certain works that we should do becoming like Christ that does not mean that he has this this and this work for you and this this work for me and something else for our listeners specific works they are works that we're supposed good works you know titus tells us that you know that's why we're a, a peculiar people we're supposed to do good works yes. and god has appointed really prepared those that we should do them he's explained to us what they are in scripture mm-hmm. all we have to do is do them
1: mm. talk to us about just the fact that we live in a fallen world. How does that come into play? Because I know sometimes people will uh, blame God, if you will, for uh, natural disasters or for a death of a loved one or uh, whatever the case might be. And it seems to me that uh, because we live in a fallen world, that's going to have some play in what happens as part of God's desires for us.
0: Absolutely. When I was uh, 21 years old in medical school, my brother was accidentally killed, electrocuted on the job. Mm -hmm. And my mother's response, well, it, it was God's will. And I said, Mom, I don't think so. Um, God doesn't kill people like that um, just arbitrarily or even for good reason. He, he was killed because they failed to ground the truck properly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was their fault. It was an accident, and accidents happen. God does not control every minutia that occurs in this world. Yeah. If he does, then he's responsible for every evil, atrocity, genocide, rape, homicide, mm-hmm. anything you want to name. Yeah. Uh, and the natural disasters um, those are things that naturally occur, as you said, in a fallen world. God doesn't cause the hurricane to come and, and kill so many people. Um, that's just not in, in the Scripture. That's not biblical thinking. Yes, yes, we know that Satan can cause that with tornadoes, like in Job, mm-hmm. and cause destruction. God will allow that, but mm-hmm. He does not cause that. That's not His desire that that happen.
1: Absolutely. And I think just to end on a beautiful note there, I think, too, is to consider that God does take the most horrible things that can happen in our lives and use them for good in our lives and for His glory.
0: Yes, exactly. Joseph is one of the greatest examples in Scripture where he's, he's just devastated, and yet God lifts him up to the highest position to save his people. I just I get teary every time I read that and just see yes. the incredible ability of God to take what's bad and make it good.
1: Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Wilson, Thank for you, joining Pam. us again. Look forward to having you back. Well, we would love to get your feedback about our discussion of God's sovereignty. We've set up a couple of ways for you to communicate with us. You can email us questions or comments to savinggrace at gsot.edu. Now, it might be your question that we answer right here on a future podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter, talk to us there, or get updates on new podcasts and events. Our handle is at Saving Grace Cast. Be sure to tune in to the next edition of Saving Grace. What is God's role in the sphere of government? Does He care about the political process? Does God intend for believers to be involved? Well, Dr. Ken Wilson will be back to discuss God's priorities in government and his book, The Moral Mandate to Vote. We hope you'll join us. Thanks for tuning in today. And remember, the love of Christ can never be earned and can never be lost.
0: You have been listening to Saving Grace, a podcast ministry of Grace School of Theology. For more information, visit gsot.edu/savinggrace. Views expressed on this podcast may not always be the views of Grace School of Theology or its leadership.